I'm Dan. I'm, I'm one of the, the leaders here. And uh, just want to add my own welcome to you here, especially if you're, you're new. It's so great to, to have you here. And I, I don't know about you, but I love this. I love what we do at weekends. I love that we gather as the church of Jesus. I love that we get to sing together. I always come slightly nervous on a Sunday morning. I don't know about you. I always come thinking, oh, I hope it's all right. <laughs> I hope, hope that God comes. I hope that the, the gifts of the Spirit in our operation. I hope the Holy Spirit's here. And I, I know there's a promise that he will be, but that's the thing that I get anxiety about when I come to church. But every time he comes, every time I leave this place full of encouragement, having connected with people, the family of God, and, uh, you know, this is, this is it. This is how God has planned it to be for us to be part of this wonderful thing called the church. And it's a remarkable thing that he's doing in the earth today. He's building his church and the gates of hell are not prevailing against it in all the nations of the world, sometimes meeting in caves for fear of persecution, sometimes in open fields, sometimes under trees, sometimes in cathedrals, sometimes in church buildings, sometimes in rented halls. But Jesus is building his church. And uh, here's the thing. I was just thinking about this today, right? This month is King's Church 18th birthday. Isn't that amazing? Here we are. I, I couldn't find a cake, <laughs> and the, the shop next door didn't sell them. So, so happy birthday, church! This is uh, this is great news. We've come of age, 18 years in. No, no, we don't start drinking or getting drunk or anything like that. You know, that's a. We, we, we've come of age. God has had us in this city for many years. Some of you have been here right from the start, and uh, I, 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 for. for I don't know, I love, I love, the Bible encourages us to, to remember, and I love remembering things over that 18 years. I love remembering when we first met in somebody's home, and there was just a dozen of us. We had a small group leaders meeting last week and a team leaders meeting. Both of those were way bigger than the church was in that early days, and we used to have the adults in one room, and the kids' work would be in the kitchen uh, next door. There was no risk assessments. We didn't mind that the kids had the blenders and the sharp knives and all of those things. Uh, that's just how we rolled in those days. And then that expanded, that grew. We grew into um, a, a, a Craig Lockhart Tennis Center and to Napier University on the top floor. And it, nobody could find us, but it was wonderful. We, we then moved into a school in Toll Cross. And then 10 years ago, God led us to this building and we paid a remarkable price of just £400,000. And we've been here ever since. And uh, somebody reminded me, they said, you know, our carol service in December, they said, you know what, this is our 10th carol service in this building. I said, wow, where did that time go? That's amazing. And then I wondered who our uh, carol service leaders had been over that time. And I realized that one of them had been Claire Rabato, and she went off church planting in West Lothian with a whole group of other people. One of them was Chris Rawson. He became an elder uh, a, a year or so ago, and then he's just recently handed on to Dara. So, uh, Dara, no, no pressure for you. Uh, just uh, believe God for that next step, eh? But so much has happened. I remember our, our very first Alpha course that we ran in somebody's home, and, and there was only three people on it, and always slightly awkward. And on the Holy Spirit Day, you, you say to the people in the room, you know, you preach like you're preaching to sort of Peter's 3,000 at Pentecost. Does anybody here want to become a Christian? And uh, all three of these guys just sheepishly shook their heads and said, yeah, I'd, I'd like to. And it was the first fruits. It was the first of a, of a trail of salvation that would happen 
over a number of years. I remember individuals that, uh, that, that would meet in our home uh, to be prayed for, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we'd look at the Bible verses and we'd pray for them and they'd receive the Spirit for the first time. And uh, remember that Matthew and I would do that many times in those early days. I remember just making friends with loads of you. And some of those have moved on and some of them are still here. But that's remarkable, isn't it? You get to know people who you'd never ever meet unless you were in the same church and part of the same family. And it's part of the blessing of being a church. I remember uh, countless baptisms. I think it's over 100 that were baptized over the last 18 years. I remember uh, many, many marriages that we've conducted in this building and in other places. I think we married uh, eight couples last year alone. And, and in all of that, it's tinged with sorrow as well as other people uh, have moved on and moved away. Other people we've had to walk through seasons of grief with as people have gone to glory and been to, to meet with Jesus. I, I remember our first sort of big building offering when we moved in here and in one offering, uh, a much smaller church back then gave £104,000 and God has just been doing one thing after another, after another. But I don't know about you, but from time to time, I ask myself this question, why? Why do we do this thing called church? And sure, there is the encouragement, there's all the things, well, that's of course why I do it. But then I ask myself this question biblically, why do we do this thing called church? And it's that question I want us to ask today as I also share some news about the months ahead. Um, This thing called church is full of joys, but it's also full of challenges, complexity, sacrifice, and service. It's a family. It's like any other family. It's full of those things. Here's the answer to the question, why do we do it? It's because Jesus loves the church, and it's part of his eternal plan. In fact, it is his eternal plan. So please look at Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 10 and 11. Is that me making that noise? There we go. And this is the Apostle Paul talking. There's a point in Paul's life where he hated the church. Couldn't finish it off fast enough. He was closing them down, left, right, and center, imprisoning Christians. But he came to write these remarkable words that we're about to read. He said, although I'm less than the least of all of the Lord's people, This grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. Say mystery. Mystery. Which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So here's the mystery. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So these verses, he's talking about a mystery which for ages and ages was hidden and obscured and people didn't understand it or get it. And and the Apostle Paul says, now we've understood it. This is what it is. It's it's this thing called the church. It's the, it's the mystery of God that's made known. And it's about Jesus and it's about the people of God. It's the now plan of God. 
I, I read this thing um, last week. Um, do you just check my phone, please, Simon? Oh, it's yours. Oh, I don't know, mine's gone. I'll just check it's yours. That'll do. Anyway, so <laughs> I, I read this thing. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. Uh, I was reading this thing saying that to, to simplify our lives, we should all put our phones into to black and white mode. And the theory was this, that if you turn your phone into black and white mode, it makes everything on your phone incredibly dull and uninteresting, unless it's a black and white photograph. But everything else, and, and I tried it for a week, and it's remarkable, because everything that was so interesting on my phone, and I, I can spend way too much time looking at it, all of those notifications pinging up in bright red circles, all suddenly gone gray. Honestly, I've spent the last week looking at my phone and thinking, that's not very good. Here's what it does. It look, makes you look at the world around you and think, wow, everything's in color compared with this rubbish little device here where everything's gray. And it, made me, it reminded me of, uh, thanks, Simon. It reminded me of um, back when I was a teenager and I used to have a black and white TV. And back in those days, there was only three channels and only two of them ever had anything on. And uh, they used to, for some reason, they used to, on BBC One, during the World Snooker Championships, they would put on snooker 24-7 which, watching that on a black-and-white TV, is always challenging. <laughs> and I would sit there because I'd have nothing else to do, because there was no, nothing else to do in those days, so I'd sit and watch the, the black-and-white TV, and you'd think, I wonder what color they're going for. <laughs> and you'd kind of do the shades of gray, and you think, well, I think they're reds, because they're all the same color. And then you'd see the guy queuing up for the thing, and you think, well, I hope that's a yellow. I hope it is, because if it's a pink, he's in trouble. But then we got a color TV, and it was like, Wow, I can see what's going on. I can see why this is actually a, an interesting game, or a more interesting game. It's really not that interesting, is it? But uh, the changing from black and white into color. And I feel for some of us today, he wants to take our understanding of the church, and he wants to take it from monochrome into the beauty of how God wants us to see it. In fact, it talks about the manifold wisdom of God. That word manifold means the multicolored wisdom of God. It's a, it's a colorful sense. God wants to show us the full glory of what his church is today. And he wants to reveal it to you. And th this is thing in our age today which makes us think very individualistically. So, for example, if you like chess, then you might join a chess club. And the reason you join a chess club is because I want to improve my game and it's good to meet fellow chess enthusiasts. It's a personal agenda. You might like fitness. So you might think, I'm going to join a gym so I can get fitter, and so I can meet some other people who are interested in fitness, go to an exercise class perhaps, do all that kind of stuff. Here's how some people think about church. They think, well, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, so therefore I should hang out with other Christians because that's good for me, it's good to learn, it's good to be part of something. And they fail to see what this verse says, which is this, that God's intent was now through the church, the manifold of wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Here's what happens when you build a church, a community of believers like this, or the worldwide church, is this that angels and demons notice it. They say, wow, look at the multicolored wisdom and grace of God on display 
in that place. What we're doing here is so much more than just pep talks for Christians to keep us going. It's demonstrating the very kingdom of God in this city and in our nation. Therefore, I must see church as God sees it. And I must love the church as he loves it. Now, if you were to look up some verses about marriage, just mentioned the word love. If you were to look up verses about marriage in the New Testament, you'd probably find yourself in Ephesians chapter 5, just a couple of chapters on from these verses we've just read. In fact, it says these words. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And what what you find is when Paul starts talking about marriage in those later chapters of Ephesians, every time he starts talking about marriage to try and give people advice about how things could work better in their home, he automatically then starts saying, but what I'm really talking about is the church. What I'm really talking about is how Christ loves the church. And there's going to be this union forever where you and I, this church, the church of Christ, is going to be together with Jesus in eternity. So the love song of the universe reflected in marriage is the love song between Christ and his church. Uh, Matthew uh, alluded to this verse earlier on from Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 where it talks, looking at the end of time, and it looks at what this glorious church looks like. And it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude. Uh, Next slide, please. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is the kind of church that God likes to build. Churches that are diverse. As Matthew talked about Nation Sunday, I thought, yes, that's exactly the kind of church that we want to be, reflecting the full diversity of all that God's called us to be. We want kings to be a radiant church, demonstrating the multicolored wisdom of God. And he does that in very ordinary ways. And I'd like to just talk for a couple of moments about this last year. And, and uh, this last year, we've actually spent quite a lot of time in Kings, just tweaking things, restructuring things. We changed the oversight system of our small groups to, to help it, leaders be more invested and to help multiplication happen more quickly. Uh, and been heavily invested in that, heavily invested in our student work and making sure that's working well, heavily invested in our kids' ministry to make sure that that works well. And we got this prophetic word at the beginning of last year, which um, uh, you can put the slide up uh, for it, from a, a friend called Derek. And he, he actually had it. He came to our Chris Dingle service a year ago, and uh, he had it then, but he felt like it was the wrong place to share a prophetic word. Um, but he wrote it to me in an email. And here's the picture he had for us as a church. He said, In the worship I became conscious of a shoreline with gentle lapping water ebbing and flowing. The shoreline was lined by mixed and various buildings, housing estates, type properties, high-rise apartments, historic landmark structures, and holiday hotels. As I watched, the waves gently continued ebbing and flowing, and they never changed in pace or ferocity. 
However, words began to come in on them, words like gathered people, leadership established, structures, training and development. But then that changed to images of silver in various shapes and sizes, which when I looked closer were fish, all different sizes and types just rolling up on the sand of the shoreline. What I felt God was impressing on me is that over the next season, the church is going to see a wave of new salvation growth. That will happen not by any particular evangelistic endeavors or strategies, but just by continuing to be the people of God you are. There was a real sense that people of evangelistic anointing who were very normal and varying shapes, sizes, ages, genders, and ethnicities were just going to become more effective in reaching the lost with no greater extra effort or endeavor. What a great encouragement. What he's saying is this. Do your part. Do your part. Gather. Have structures. Have care systems. Do those things. And God will do his part and bring fish. And here's an interesting thing. We were just in a prayer meeting before Christmas in the upper room. It was one of those Friday morning things. And there was about 20 of us in the room. And we just started praying about salvation. And uh, uh, I know uh, Anne Graham a couple of weeks ago shared that remarkable story about uh, Gordon from China who had never been to church in his life, uh, became a Christian here uh, just a few weeks ago. And, uh, and we, she shared that story. And then people went around the room and they said, well, actually, I've got a story. And I've got a story. And I've got a story. And I think we counted up, there's about seven people who'd recently become Christians who are connected to King's Church or in the life of Kings, I thought, wow, isn't that exciting? We often don't see that stuff because it's happening a bit here and here and here. But I'm looking forward to our baptisms coming up in a few weeks' time to see and hear some of those stories. But that's what God is doing. We do our part and he does his. Now, um, back in September, as we were sort of looking for the year ahead, uh, uh, we, we talked about these three things, about being intentionally invitational. Next slide, please, sorry. Intentionally invitational, deliberately diverse, and having a multiplication mindset. And those things are still very much valid for us, and we're still really in the midst of those things. So uh, when you hear that Burns Night advert, that's, do you remember, that's the, the thing we said, every term we're going to have one major event where we really want to encourage people to be able to bring their friends, family members, colleagues, and say, hey, come to this thing, there'll be some people from church there, it's not going to be heavy, nobody's going to be preaching at you, it's just going to be a lot of fun. So do come, come to the Burns Night, it's going to be really, really excellent. We did the quiz night back in September, we've got a Kaylee coming up uh, in May, and uh, many of you opened your homes in December, that was brilliant. Um, it says, uh, uh, next slide please, in, in Acts 5 verse 42, the early church, it said this, day after day, in the temple courts or from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. How did the church grow? They just did a bit every day. That's how it worked. Sometimes they had major breakthroughs, sometimes they had little breakthroughs, but they just got on with it. The stuff of inviting people into their lives and into their world. If you do that, we will see God do some remarkable things. We saw hundreds come to our carol services at Christmas, and uh, we're going to see so much more happening this year. The second thing we talked about was being deliberately diverse. In uh, Galatians 3, verse 28, it says, There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. The kind of church God's calling us to be, as we've talked about, it's not a monotone, single type of church of young professionals or students. Or, he wants us to be right across the board. 
and to welcome people from whatever their background, different ages, different stages, different levels of wages. And he wants us to value and to uh, build relationship right across those things, married, singles, children, parents. And there was a time when Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, or just before that time, when to be a Christian meant to be Jewish. That's what it was. And they used to have meetings, and everybody in the room was Jewish or formerly a Jew, but now believing in Jesus as well. And it came as a bit of a surprise to Peter. Do you remember that in the story of Acts where God gives him a vision of some unclean looking animals? He says, arise, Peter, kill and eat. And he's like, oh, no, we can't do that. God was trying to breathe on him and say, Peter, it's for the whole world. God doesn't do monotype churches. He does churches that are full of diversity. And God brought the whole Gentile world. He brought communities together, different kinds of people. Now, as a church, God's growing our diversity. He's been doing that over many years now. I'm so, so brilliant that there's so much more gray hair in the room, including mine. So brilliant that there's so many more youth than we used to have. There's children of all different ages and stages, so many different nationalities. God is doing a brilliant thing here. It can be challenging. I've been thinking a bit recently about... Often in church life, particularly when we have busy seasons of life, we end up in bubbles within church life where we only relate to people of the same age and stage as us. And then, do you know what happens? The real challenge comes is when those friends move away or stop coming or something, and we we say, well, gosh, I don't really connect here anymore. I want to encourage you in this period of your life to be somebody who makes sure that you have friends who are older than you and younger than you in the life of this church. If you do that, I promise that will be a safeguard for you when you hit seasons of life, when people love people move away or, or whatever. You'll find, oh no, I, I still belong here. God wants church to be multi-generational. Maybe he wants you to be serving uh, in, in, in a group where you find more diversity so that you can begin to make those relationships. Maybe, as we, uh, we've talked a bit about uh, the Bible in a, a year, the, the Bible reading plan that Luke put together, it could be that you want to grab a couple of people, one who's older and one who's younger than you, and say, why don't we do a WhatsApp group and just share any encouragements that we read every day? I know some of you do that already in small groups, but, but maybe you could do that as a way of just fostering multi-age uh, Bible reading together. We want to be a church where people come through and they feel, come in and they feel like they belong. I felt like, as I was just praying this morning, I felt like there was somebody who came into church this morning and even as you walked through the doors, this thought came into your head, I don't belong here. And God just wanted to just dispel that lie and to name it and call it out right now. You belong in the family of God. To those who received and believed Jesus, gave them the right to become children of God. If you're a child of God, this is the family of God. Um, Now, because we want to to serve the diversity of this church well, um, we're going to make a couple of changes this year. So, do you want to hear some things that we're going to do? Yeah, great, okay. Um, So, 
uh, Matthew uh, said at the start of the meeting, uh, we have this room at the back here, which we've had to kind of barricade off during the preach for kind of young parents and carers to kind of give a bit of privacy and a space for kids to make noise, which is really important and really good, because uh, if you start marrying lots of people, the, the, the natural consequence of that often is you end up with lots of babies, and that's only going to keep going at King's. So um, what we feel is that that room at the back is not really a, a great room uh, to kind of barricade off because it's really the only room where somebody who's feeling a little bit on the fringe and on the edge or somebody who's just kind of staggered into church and thought, what, what do I do here? That's the only place where they could really feel welcome. People who are, have maybe a phobia of coming into a room full of people. And the more signs you put up in church life, the more unwelcoming you become. And, uh, you know, but we, we, because of all the complexity of this building, we have more and more signs. We need to make that room a more general purpose room again, where we can just really welcome anybody, no matter what their background or stage, and say, hey, you can be there and have a cup of tea if you like. For that to happen, we, uh, we, we want to open up the, the room next door with a glass side for young parents and carers. There's a TV link in there. You can make tea and coffee in there. And that's a really welcoming space for very young families who have kids pre pre-kids work. So uh, we want to make that room available for them. Currently, there's a kids group that meets in that room, so we have to find a space for that kids group uh, to meet the heroes, and, and they've loved being in that room, and they're like, well, we need a room, and of course they do. So uh, we're thinking, well, where do we get another room? Because we're already using all the rooms. And uh, what we need to do is to create a sort of temporary partition system in the side hall to be able to turn that room into two rooms so that two kids groups can meet in there. Uh, one at one end and one at the other, and a partition gets drawn across with, you know, you see them in hotels, those concertina door systems, you know, the kind of thing. And that will be able to be used as two rooms, which will give us enough rooms for now to be able to deal with the number of kids groups that we have. So that's good, isn't that? <laughs> so uh, we're, we're going to be getting, we've had architect plans and things done for that, so we're going to be moving forward with that. And uh, there's a team of people involved in uh, really kind of carrying that through uh, the other thing we feel with that is that we really want those rooms to really reflect a, a, a real love and value for uh, children and all ages. This room's kind of um, nice and carpeted and lovely, and, and uh, because those rooms are sort of multifunctional, they tend to just feel a little bit uh, 1970s austerity kind of style. And uh, we, we feel that perhaps our children would value something that, that just really helps them feel loved and valued in our church community. So we're going to be spending some money on that to really help us uh, to, to just grow in diversity together as a church. Here's the third thing we talked about, multiplication mindset. Um, so we want to be a church that's always thinking about growth, leadership development. Um, uh, we, we want to be a church that multiplies small groups. Uh, in fact, Ephesians 1 says this, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for his church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is God's plan with his church. He just wants to keep filling it and filling it and filling it. And he wants us to keep filling our city with more small groups uh, heard some great news this week. There's, been a new, there's going to be a new small group in the north of Edinburgh, led by Callum and Karis. Has that started? Wow. Old news. Amazing. Um, and I've, I've heard of a, at least one other group that is having multiplication on its radar, saying, hey, this is what, what we're doing next. When your small group leader says to you, 
hey guys, we're thinking about multiplying. I'd love you to respond with faith and say, this is what we were made for. Because God has called us to fill this city. You know, many of our teams have transitioned. I, I counted seven of our teams have changed leadership over the last year. And uh, God's been gracious with us in doing all of that transition. We're going to have a leaders morning with Dave Holden coming up uh, at the end of February. One particular area where we feel the real need to invest at the moment is our, is our children's uh, team, King's Kids. Uh, Rachel Fleming took on leadership of that really important area uh, back in April this year. And we've, we've, over many years, we've had many people faithfully uh, serve in that and with real gifts, real, real service, and we're so grateful for that. I think we've always honestly struggled for kids' leaders in this church. We've, you know, it's probably, probably been the area we've found hardest to recruit for, and that would be true in a lot of churches, I think. What we'd love to do over this next season, because as I've chatted more to Rachel Fleming, she, she has a heart not just for children and families and young people, which comes across in like about five seconds when you talk to her, but she also has a real heart to train and multiply leaders. So we'd love, as we look forward as a church, and we think, well, in times to come, God's going to speak to us about church planting and, and new things, new ministries. We'd love to be a church that's really well-resourced with children's leaders and to give Rachel more time to do that. So uh, as of next week, Rachel Fleming is going to be paid by Kings for two days a week to really develop our Kings Kids ministry and to move things forward. And we're Really excited about that. So that's good news, eh? So we'll have uh, Nat's working two days in students, Gemma's working three days in youth, uh, two for Kings and one in the community, and Rachel will be doing two days a week with Kings Kids. So please uh, pray for that as we go forward. Some final points as we're running out of time, and then we're just going to sing together. If we're going to be the people of God, if, if what we're saying is true, if God's eternal plan is for this church to flourish and to grow and to display his wisdom and grace to the world and to the universe, that means that we're involved in something incredibly important. And that means there's going to be a fight. And when you look at the end of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul finishes us with this thing, he says, you need to take your stand against the devil's schemes. And here's three things that I'd want to encourage you to engage with as we go forward over this next season to make sure that we're a fighting people. I want you to think about Joshua Anthony winning the World Cup heavyweight championship and aspire to be somebody who fights the fight of faith. So uh, next slide. Oh, so here we are, prayerfulness. Paul says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Be alert and keep on praying with all the Lord's people. We're, this is a way we fight. We pray. Say this, I must be prayerful. I must be prayerful. We're coming to a week of prayer. I really want to urge you to sign up for an hour-long prayer room session uh, down in the hub. I really want to encourage you to come to the to the. Uh, prayer night or as much of it as you can. Could you put up the slide with the four timings for the prayer night, please? The, just, just to give you clarity on that. So we start at six o'clock, a one-hour all-age prayer time, including pizza from 15 minutes before. 
come to that. You don't have to be a child to be this is for everybody. It's going to be really well led and it will go very quickly. And uh, you might need to come straight from work with your kids or whatever. I don't know. Come. We've got then three other sessions, 7.15, 9 o'clock, and 10.45. There'll be like a half-hour break between each of those sessions, and, or 15 minutes maybe. And we'll be finishing promptly at midnight. We're going to be praying for the city. We're going to be praying for this church. We're going to be praying for the diversity of this church. We're going to be praying for God's kingdom to come, for salvation, for healing. Uh, if you're wanting prayer for healing, then come to the 7.15 session. We will pray for anybody who needs physical healing in that meeting. So please uh, sign up for that, or you don't need to sign up for that, come along to that, sign up for the prayer room. Here's the second thing that we can do to fight togetherness. Don't give up meeting together. We've already heard Nat talk about small groups. Make sure that you're in a community that fights the fight of faith together. That's how we fight this fight. And here's the third thing that you can do. Use your grace gifts. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I want to encourage you to be active in service. It could be that you're in a season where you have very little capacity. That's fine. There's no pressure to serve. But why don't you just find some area where you think, no, I can add some value here. Or I can learn how to serve. Because that's how God's grace is manifested and how we fight the fight of faith. So we need to be prayerful, we need to be together, we need to use our grace gifts. And that is 12 o'clock. So um, could, could, we, could we sing that song, actually, just to, to finish off with? And uh, let, let's stand together, let's pray, let's ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Just, uh, just turn your heart to him for a moment. Lord, we just want to pray that you'd give us a greater and greater love for your bride. We want to pray, Lord, that you'd uh, give us greater, greater clarity of all that you've called us to be and to do. Lord, we're so thankful for 18 years of just just such wonderful joy and, and family together and all the ups and downs of that. But Lord, we say, Lord, for this next season, would you do something even more remarkable? Lord, we pray for hundreds and thousands of people to come to know the grace of God through Jesus, through your church in this city. So Lord, would you help us? Fill us again. We know it's not about us. We know it's all about Jesus. So Lord, we say, come and fill your church again. I pray, help the timid, help the discouraged. Lord, help those who've lost their way. Help those who feel on the fringe or the margin. Come, Lord.